well, most readers, when they read this passage, they don't see the, the conviction and the challenge that comes with this particular passage. In fact, this is one of the most challenging passages in all of Scripture when you look at the call of action that's applied to it. And I'll just warn you right now, if you didn't get that conviction or that challenge when you read this passage on your own, um, you're going to get it in this message. And I say that because not to, 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 to just throw that out there just because, but I say that because we need to hear this. We need to hear this challenge, and then we need to respond to it. Because what was so challenging about this text and preparing this text and even uh, getting ready to, to preach it this evening, there was a lot of things that came to mind. There was a lot of concerns that came to mind, and a lot of it applies to us, the men of the church, the men here at Compass Bible Church. And one of those main concerns that I, that I, I wrestled through as I prepped this message was the fact that there are men in here right now that are riding on the coattails of a faithful Bible-teaching church. You see, you go around and it's easy to say, I go to Compass Bible Church or I know a few Bible verses or this is what I know about theology or history or Christology or whatever it is. And you ride on the coattails of the faithful preaching at the church instead of having your own understanding and application of God's word. The second concern I had is the fact that many of us can hear sermons, we can read God's word, and we just continue with life and nothing ever changes. You see, we have these thoughts about God's word when we're sitting up under the teaching. We have these thoughts about God's word when we're reading our DBR in the morning or the evening. But by the time we close the Bible or by the time we hit the door from church, those thoughts are gone. And there's many men that are sitting in here right now that we've stood on this platform and called you to serve because 1 Timothy 4, God calls all believers to serve the body of Christ. You've all been given gifts and you're called to serve and build up the body of Christ, but yet there are still many of you in here that are not serving. You heard a command, but you chose not to do it. We just heard the announcement about baptisms. We are called to be baptized. Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are commanded to be baptized as believers. But yet there are men in here that have professed faith and have not been baptized because you don't want to get in front of people. You don't want to have people know that you weren't a believer all of your life. Pastor Mike gave a, a great message this weekend, a call to action, that all of us need a team, a team of men around us to hold us accountable that will allow us to continue to grow in spiritual maturity in our own Christ-likeness. He challenged us, go find a team. Did you do that? Did you call up any guys? Did you say, hey, I, I need you to be part of my team? My pastor gave me an exhortation to do 
and I want to do it because I want to obey God's word. I want to obey the preaching of his word, and I want to grow in my Christ-likeness. Did you go find that team? Well, Pastor Kellen, I'm here in men's Bible study. Look, that's a good first step, but I can tell you right now, there are many of you that are in your groups that are not known. Men don't know you in the group. They know your name. They expect you to be here, but they don't know the challenges that you're facing. They don't know how you need to be spurred on. They don't know the difficulties in your life because you're not known. You don't have a team. You have an association, but you're not truly part of a team. We hear God's word and we don't respond, and that is a major concern as I preach this message because I know right now there's a few of you that are trying to tune me out right now because I've struck a nerve with you, because I pressed too close to home. All I'm saying is God's word demands a response. God's word demands obedience. And we will all be held accountable for that at the end of this life. So you and I need to start working on that today. And my prayer that is that every one of us would leave this room and have a renewed sense of obedience to God's word, which means doing what God commanded us to do according to his will, not what we want to do that is convenient for our life. It's a challenge that we're going to work through. But what I love about this passage, as challenging as it is, James lays out three practical steps for us to make sure that we obey God's word. And that we hear it, we prepare ourselves, and most importantly, that we go out and do it. We do it. We apply God's word. So let's go ahead and open up our passage this morning, which we will be in James chapter 1 starting in verse 19 through verse 25. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 25. There's a a big shift that's happening here in our text. You see the first 18 verses that we've discussed, that we've talked about, and that we've studied through already, talks about trials. How do we respond to trials? Well, James shifts the focus now, and it's how do we respond to God's word? How do we respond to truth? And what do we do with it? So let's start in verse 19. It says this, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm going to pause right there for a second because if you don't understand the context of this verse, most people read this verse and they think, I need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, just in general sense. And I think that can apply. That's safe to apply, but understand what James is getting at is God's word. He's talking about God's word because if you look at verse 18, he comes off verse 18 and says, of his own will he will be brought us forth by the word of truth. And then he continues to go in the following verse, in verse 21, talk about the word and 22 and talk about the word and the word. So he's focusing on the word right now, okay? And so we're talking about the word at this point in time. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's our attitude that we need to have. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness 
in rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once forgets and forgets what he looks like, what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. Growing up, I love buffet restaurants. As a growing kid in the South, I, I love me some Golden Corral. Don't tell me about the nutritious you know, problems with Golden Corral. I like Golden Corral. You know, Golden Corral is the only place you can go get a Thanksgiving ham, a burrito, and some seafood, all for $7.99. <laughs> it's a great place to be, right? I get whatever I want. I can select whatever my mind and my taste buds want, whatever uh, that evening. It's great. But oftentimes, we treat God's Word like a buffet. We go around and we look at verses and say, mm, I don't, uh, that one's hard. That's not really my personality. Or, oh, I can do this one. That's kind of what I'm doing already, so I'll just, I'll, I'll tell everybody that I'm doing this one, right? We, we, we buffet-style God's Word, and we cannot do that. You know, as we were reading the DBR just last week, I, I mentioned that already, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples. In other words, we need to go out and share the truth of the gospel. And many of you are reading our DBR, and I, I'd love to pose the question, what did you do with that? Here's the Great Commission. That every Christian, every Christian has a responsibility to share the truth of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel, to continue to advance God's kingdom. We all have a responsibility. What did you do with that? Did you say, oh, I can memorize that like the back of my hand? Or you know what, I, 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 I'm an introvert. God understands. Right? None of that applies. Introvert, whatever it is, you can memorize it, you know that verse. When you read God's word, God's Word is living and active, and we are called to obey His commands and do His commands. And so when we read things like the, the, the Great Commission, that should stir us up to say, I, I need to go out and evangelize if I haven't. That should be a great reminder to do that. We are all called to share truth. But here's the thing. Our natural tendency is to be selective. That's just our natural tendency. It's to be selective and pick and choose what commands we follow based on what suits our convenience, based on what suits our life, based on what's easy for us to do. And we cannot do that as men of Christ. And that's point number one this evening is we need to fight against selectively obeying God's Word. Fight against selectively obeying God's Word. And I use quotations because if you're selectively obeying God's word, you're not obeying God's word. But I think that drives home my point is whether you're reading God's word or you're hearing God's word preached, you're not obeying God's word if you're choosing which ones that you want to obey. Obedience means full obedience. What God is telling us to do that we do everything that we can, empowered by the spirit as believers, to go out and do that and advance his kingdom and continue to proclaim his truth and shine like a lamp. I just look at, I just think about 
most of your lives, and many of you are managers or you know run your own company or or you, you've been you've had oversight of other people within your job. And I just want you to think for a second. If if you had an employee that said, "Eh, hey boss, I I did three out of five things you told me to do. I really didn't feel like doing the other other two. I don't feel like that was my skill set. I don't feel like that's what I'm called to do. But I did the three things because." You know what, I, I feel like I'm good at that. You wouldn't be okay with that. You would have a problem with that. As a matter of fact, you probably wouldn't care so much about the three things that they did, did, did do, but you'd have to focus on the two things they chose not to do. And we'd have to have a discussion about that. We are called to be quick to hear, James says. Quick to hear. Quick to hear means we need to eagerly prepare ourselves. Right? We need to get ready. We need to be quick to hear. We need to, we need to focus on what's about to be said before you approach God's word. That means you need to be praying that your heart would be prepared to hear the preaching of your word. You know, you come here after work and it's evening. I get it. You're late and you're tired. Guess what? You might need an extra shot of coffee. But you need to do all of that to be prepared to receive God's word. Right? Eager, taking notes, being ready. Being ready for what? For God to teach you what he is calling you to be as a Christian. For God to, to change you, not to be more like your old self, but to be more like Christ. A radical change. But it all starts with fighting against the thought of, I can't do that. Well, here's why I can't do that. Well, that, I don't know if that applies to me. All of God's word applies to you. If you are a Christian here this evening, this is God's handbook for our life. All of it applies to us. And we can't just sit back and say, I'll wait till the pastor says something that's, you know, convenient for me. And then I'll take notes on that and I'll apply that. We need to seek to apply all of God's word and not selectively obey what's convenient. Speaking of preaching, uh, preaching God's word, here, you want to know the most complimentary thing you could ever tell a preacher or a pastor? After they get done with preaching the word, you know, it's just saying, hey, that was an encouraging message is a great thing. I don't want to take that away. But here is the most complimentary thing you could ever say to somebody that's just preached God's word. Here's what I'm going to do about it. What you just said really hit home to me. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to apply it. That, that, that's music to our ears. Right? Or, or coming back later on, and I heard your message, and your message was very convicting. It was challenging for me. This is what I did to apply your message. You say that. You do that. That's what it's all about. That's the reason we get up here and preach. The reason we get up here and preach is not to just fill your head with extra knowledge about the book of James or so that you can go out and memorize verses as we put on your study question. It's so that you can go out and do the word Do God's word and be transformed. Your mind can be renewed. You can be more like Christ. That's the whole point of us preaching up here. Because otherwise, you're reading the same text that we're reading. Right? We can just say, hey, read this and then go to your small group. But we get up here to preach because we want to spur you on. We want to encourage you to apply God's word. That's the whole point. Not selectively applying, but applying God's word based on exactly what he said, not trying to blend it in with worldly desires. Because guess what? God's word and the world, they don't, they don't coexist. They don't match. 
You got to pick one or the other. And God is calling you to choose to follow his word. But here's the reason why our natural tendency is to be selective. Galatians 5.17. Galatians 5.17, it says this, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So guess what your flesh is going to say? When you read God's word and it's something challenging, like go out and, and, and share the gospel, right? Or, 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 or you need to be serving or you need to be baptized. Guess what your flesh is going to say? Uh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Because here's why. Here's the excuses. Here's why we can't do that. But guess who can do that? The spirit can do that. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? We hear that in Scripture. The spirit can do all the things that God is commanding you to do, but you must get your flesh out of the way. You must not select what you want to obey based on what's convenient to your life, based on what's easy for you to do. We must obey all of it. That's why we must be slow to speak. Slow to speak, he says. You can't come into God's word saying, hey, this is how I feel, or this is my opinion. God doesn't need your two cents. God doesn't need my two cents. His word is just just fine standing alone. It's got 2,000 years of life-changing experience that we can go back and see. It doesn't need our additions to it. But here's the thing. Most of us come to the word already speaking, already having a thought, already having an opinion, already having a reason we can't do it. And then we wonder why we can't apply God's word, because we're not slow to speak. One of the most consistent Proverbs that you see all throughout the book of Proverbs is slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Here, write down these three, and I'll just read them. But Proverbs 10, 19, when the words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. One more. Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. Some of you have been through this experience. You're sitting in here right now that you say, every time I read God's word, this this is what it says to me. Regardless of everybody else telling you something else, regardless of the pastor preaching something else, regardless of your counselor telling you something else, you say, this is what I'm getting out of God's word. And the reason you're stuck on getting out that out of God's word instead of what everybody else that God has placed around you is trying to get you to do because you haven't stopped talking. You haven't stopped talking. And I don't always mean like verbally talking, but even in your mind, you got things running through your mind. This is what I want. This is what my flesh wants. This is what I think. This is what I think. And then you try to go to God's word and all you look for is things that justify what you're already thinking. Instead of going to God's word saying, I'm open, God. I want to be changed by you. So regardless of my feelings, regardless of my opinions, regardless of my experience, I want to be changed by you. Help my heart to do that. Not being selective about obeying God's word, but obeying all of his commands. 
you can't talk and listen at the same time. It, it just doesn't work. It's like my kids, when I tell them to do something, then right afterwards they say, but dad, I, I have to stop them. Stop, 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 stop. You, you had to answer way too fast. I, I barely put a period on the end of that sentence. What does that tell me? That told me you already knew what you were going to say. You didn't even hear what I had to say. So I need you to slow down and, and think about what I just said. Let that marinate in you first. Meditate on that first before you give me a response. And that's oftentimes how we approach God's word. We go into God's word telling God's word what it, what it should say about us. And we don't, we, we're not slow to speak. Look, God's trying to do something in you to change you. He's trying to change you with his word. God's, not in the, he, he, God's in the business of full transformation, radical transformation, renewal of the mind. He's not in the business of just making slight adjustments to your life already. Major transformation, not minor adjustments. And then James gets into it and, and follows that and says, what does it do? When we're quick to hear, we're slow to speak, then we're slow to anger. When we're quick to hear and slow to speak, we're slow to anger. Angry at who? Well, we're not angry. We're slow to anger. Be angry at God. Excuse me. Slow to be angry at God. Because guess what? When you're constantly trying to tell God what you want to do and he's bringing other people in your life and he's convicting you with the word, you, you can get angry because you're not getting what you want. But God is saying, you do these things and be slow to anger. Right? You're not angry at other people. Because you understand that, look, God might have something different than your fleshly desires. More than likely, he does have something different than your fleshly desires. And you're okay with that. Because the goal is, for all of us men, is not to be more like ourselves; It's to be more like Christ. And that requires change. A lot of change. Drastic change in all of our life. For the rest of our life, right? We're, we're never going to get to a point where it's like, all right, now I can coast because I've made it. I don't care if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you're always going to be growing. There's always sanctification until we take our last breath. But let's jump back into our passage, verse 21, James. Verse 21 says, therefore put away, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness or humility the implanted word which is able to save your souls, which is able to save your souls. Look, experience can be a good thing. Most of you, again, if you're working, you've been at a job for a long period of time. Experience can be a good thing if it's managed properly. Experience can also be a hindrance because rather than to be humble and to seek knowledge and to ask questions, you think you got all the answers. And we see that. You, most of you have worked, if you worked in a certain place for a long period of time, you're different your first day than you are now because you feel like you've mastered the job. And, and you may have. You may have mastered the job to where you don't have to ask a lot of questions. You just know. But God's word doesn't work that way. We cannot master God's word. We always need to be humble and meek and seeking to ask questions and clarification. And really, when you understand the more you know about God's word, really, it's the less you know about everything. The more you know about God's word, you realize, I really don't know anything at all. Right? There's so much out there when you study God's word in depth. 
Right, but we, it requires us to remove all of the, the sinful thinking, remove all of the I know everything about Scripture, remove all of I've been a Christian for this long, remove all of I can quote these verses off the back of my head. We need to remove all of that and humbly receive God's Word every time we read it. And that's point number two for us this evening. Humbly receive God's Word. Humbly receive God's Word. When you humbly prepare to receive God's word, you give yourself a much better chance to actually obey it and see what God is doing in your life or trying to do in your life or convicting you to do or putting in front of you as a call to action. When you lack that humility, then you think you know it all and you're not willing to listen to anybody else because you think you got God's word down. Turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 17 Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, I want to look at what Paul is saying here because it, it gives us an understanding of what the alternative is if we don't receive God's word humbly. Verse 17 says this, now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on, those, on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We, we see this passage, and you can probably read through verse 18 and 19 and say, oh, hardness of heart and, and callous, I'm beyond that. Don't get, it, don't get it twisted. We can still go back to having a hard heart as a Christian. You can still go back to being callous to receiving God's word as a Christian, and we have to be on guard for that. We have to put off that mindset of, I, I, I know it all, I got a hard heart, and I can become callous. And he says, receive the same humility, right? Or Hold on, sorry. He says, but that is not the way you have learned Christ. All right, so when we think about what James said when he says, receive, receive with meekness, right? We, we need to receive with meekness every time we go to God's word. We need to receive it with meekness just the way we were humbled and meek when we first were saved, when we first realized that, look, I'm not the one in control. When we first realized, I, 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 I need somebody to, be, to, to take the punishment for my sins. I got a lot of them. When you first realize that I it's not about me living my best life. It's about me pleasing Christ. You were humble. We need to have that every time we approach God's word. Because just like you didn't partially give your life to Christ, you can't partially give your life to Christ and be saved. You can't partially obey God's word and then call yourself obedient. You just can't. It requires full obedience. And as we partake in God's word, as we read God's word, if we receive it humbly, we need to be able to put on, like this verse says in 24, put on the new self. 
right? You got to put off, put on, like Colossians 3, put off, put on. Before you go to God's Word, you need to put off the sin that you have, confess the sin that you have. You need to repent from the sin that you have. You need to understand that God's Word is living and active. It's supernatural. It is designed to change you and humbly approach God's Word knowing it has that power. And you need to put on a renewed sense of the the spirit of your minds, right? Put on the new self, created, he says, after the likeness of God. You're no longer aiming after being more like yourself, just a better version of it. You're completely switching the guard and saying, I'm going to be like Christ. And that requires major change in my life. That requires things that are hard. Man, that command was hard to do. Yeah, I, I know. A lot of God's commands are hard to do, but he gives us the spirit to be able to do it. You're not doing it upon your own strength. So that's why God can say, obey all my commands, because I've given you the ability to do it through the spirit. When we're not humble about receiving God's word, we start to look at our own life and think that we're the standard. Right? We're the standard. You read God's word or you read a passage like Mark 4, like we, were, like we read this morning in the DBR, and you automatically go to, well, I must be part of the good soil, right? Because my life is 30, 60, 100-fold fruit. I want to I think about that brother that I should probably send this passage to. Right? We automatically think that we're already there. We don't even slow down to say, am I, am I, am I in the midst of thorns? Right? Am I being consumed with the cares of this world? We don't think that. We automatically, our, 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 our natural self is to say, we're doing good. Let me give an L-shaped amen and say, hey, this brother over here probably needs this message. All I'm saying is we need to let God's word work on us. Let God's word work in us. Let God's word transform us and change us. And it starts with humbly coming to God's word. Every time you read God's word, every time that you hear a sermon preached, There is obedience to follow. There is something that God is placing on your heart through the Spirit that you need to do to be more like Christ. And we need to do that. And then we get into our last passage, last part of the passage. And here's what the book is all about, right? The book is centered around this last part. Verse 22, back in James But be doers of the word and not hearers only. Watch this, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. You've stared at the mirror. You've seen, I I need to shave. I need to fix this thing up before I go outside. And you just walk away as if nothing needed to be addressed. When you saw what needed to be addressed, but you didn't do anything. He looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and forgot all what he just saw, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, says looks into it. I mean, he, he, he's, he's getting down low. He's, 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 he's searching. He's looking into it. And the one who looks into the perfect law, the Scripture, God's Word, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, guess what will happen to him? He will be blessed 
in his doing. He will be blessed in his doing. God knows it's hard. God knows it's, it's not easy. But he's given us the spirit to be able to do these things. And he says, once you do that, once you obey me, once you are faithful to following the commands that I have given you, you will be blessed in your doing. When you seek to be more like Christ. If you're watching the Super Bowl, you probably saw two of those commercials that said, Jesus gets us. Jesus gets us. And, you know, right off the bat, you might be like, oh, that's that's cool. Like, I mean, I guess they got, you know, Jesus in the Super Bowl. I guess you can look and consider that to be cool. But there's a problem with those ads. Because the whole premise of that is Jesus gets us. Jesus is okay with what we're doing. Jesus wants you to live the life that you want to live. And guess what? He loves you. He understands you're going to sin. So live this life that you want to live and he still loves you. And there's a problem with that because if you go to John 15, 14, Jesus says this, you are my friends if you do what I command. So Jesus has made it very clear. You want, me to, you want to be called a friend of mine? Do what I command. Do what I command. It's not live your own life and, yep, we'll just sprinkle a little Jesus on it and everything will be okay. It's you want to be my friend, do what I command. Here's another one. John 14, 23, right before it, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Keep my word. So Jesus is telling you how to be a friend of his. Jesus is telling you the people that love him, what do they do? They don't just do whatever and when we stamp a Jesus loves me on top of it. They do what he commands. They obey him. Those are the ones that love Jesus. And here's the passage. Here's the one. I hope there's no one in here, but here's the one that people get the reputation of a Bible thumper. Oh, here you go. You got you to take the Bible so seriously. You're a Bible thumper. Well, guess what John 12, 48 says? The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. Guess who else is going to be a thumper? Jesus. He's going to thump his Bible when he judges all of us. And guess what? I'd much rather be a Bible thumper today in preparation for my eternity in heaven to hear well done, good and faithful servant, than to worry about the world saying, hey, don't be so hard on the Bible. No, I care about what Jesus says. I don't care about what anybody else has to say because the only person that you and I are going to have to stand face to face with at the end of this life is Jesus, the one that tells us to obey his commands. And I can guarantee you he's not going to be there to say, you tried hard. You did the things that you knew you were capable of, and I'm okay with that. God's Word is not a casual, easygoing book that we just read and think we can put back on the shelf. It is designed to change us with every encounter, every time you read Scripture, every time you hear a word preached. It is designed to change you. It's on us to find out and to pray, and to seek hard how God is trying to change us. But we need to understand that we need to respond to God's word after every encounter. And that's point number three for us this evening. You and I need to respond to God's word after every encounter. Every time you read scripture, every time you hear the word preached, there needs to be a response. God's truth demands a resp response. 
says hearers only, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? You can deceive yourselves, and that's very real. All of us in this room are capable of deceiving ourselves, capable of thinking that everything is okay, capable of thinking, hey, God is pleased with everything that we're doing, deceiving ourselves. The problem with that is Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So guess what? If you let your heart get in the way, it will deceive you into thinking you're doing the right thing. You are pleasing Christ when all along you haven't obeyed the commands that he's telling you to do because you're following your heart's desire and calling it the spirit. The heart is wicked and deceitful. Right? You can get deceived by knowing theology. You can get deceived by knowing church history. You can get deceived by being able to quote, quote Bible verses and thinking that that's good enough. When you stand before the Lord, he's not going to ask you, how much do you know about me? That doesn't matter. He's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you is going to be the question. And so do not be deceived by comparing yourself to others, thinking, oh, you know what, I'm doing better than that guy over there. It's, it's not about that guy over there. It's a vertical relationship. It's between you and Christ. And we need to understand that we all fall short. We all got growing to do. We never at any point in time will have made it in this lifetime. God is seeking to grow us. He has a growth plan for you, each one of you, that he is seeking to grow you in. And we oftentimes miss what God is trying to teach us. We miss the opportunity to respond to every encounter because it's just how we naturally are, are wired to do, right? Our, most of our lives, we, it's, it's reflective and spontaneous, right? Something happens and we decide yay or nay, right? We do this, we do that, we do that. We just, we're always on the move, always on the move. And we need to meditate on God's word more. Meditate on it. Because when you meditate, you give God's word the opportunity to work in you. You give the spirit the opportunity to tell you, here's how I'm going to guide you to be more like Christ. And many of you need to just sit and wait. Just, just, Just slow down. Slow down and let God's word work on you. Meditate on it. The meditating on God's word, that's what shapes our soul. Just reading scripture and closing it and being off to the races, that's not it. You need to meditate on it and allow God's word to work on you and allow God's word to show you how you can apply his commands. We had the pickleball tournament uh, this past weekend, and I probably bought more gorilla tape than I've ever bought in my life. Uh, I'm sure people at Home Depot were skeptical of what was going on when I pulled up with 20 rolls of gorilla tape. But that's what we used to, to mark out all the pickleball courts because I wanted good, strong tape to make sure that it stayed, that it was going to do its job. And I didn't realize this, but as I'm reading the directions for this application of the Gorilla Tape, as, it's a, as, it's, as if it's something fancy, um, I didn't know I was going to get, you know, some message prep while I was reading the directions. But it was, it was great because when I looked at the directions of it, here's what it said, and it applies so much to how we need to apply God's Word, and we need to read God's Word. It said this. It said, uh, first, dry off the area. Make sure it's free of de- dirt and oil. So it, we need to come prepared to apply this tape, right? We need to come prepared to read God's word. We talked about that. And then it said, secure it to the object, right? We need to place it down. And here's a kicker. Here's a kicker. It said, press firmly for 60 seconds 
as the Gorilla Tape conforms to the surface and creates a strong and permanent bond. And I thought, man, we need to do that with God's word. We need to press firmly and just hold it for a little bit and let it, let, it, let it conform to us and let it apply to us and let it do its work. Let it create a strong and permanent bond. We need more of that. You see, the, more, the longer you hold that Gorilla Tape in place, the more it's going to do its work. The Gorilla Tape can do its job, but it's all about the person that's applying it. You see, if you apply it and then just run off without actually holding it, it might come up. It might unravel. God's Word is going to do its job, but it's all about the application of it. It's all about the meditation of it. It's all about the reading it and making sure that I need to meditate and hold it. I need to hold God's Word. I need to stop and don't do anything else until I understand what does God want me to do with this? What is God trying to teach me by His Word? Right now, what is God putting on my heart? What do I need to go do as I hear preaching about doing his word? Let it work on you. Then go do what it's calling you to do. Here's a, speaking of that, here, here's something I'd, I'd like you all to do. Um, so you got, you got the study questions on the back for your group. I just think we can start by applying this tonight. Honestly, start by applying this tonight. Once you, once you leave this room, small group leaders, I'm asking you to do it. If your small group leader doesn't do it, come tell me, and then we can have a conversation with them. Um, but here's the thing. Don't worry about the questions. And I, I wrote the questions. I, I wrote the questions, so don't worry about the questions. I want you all, as you get in your small group, just, just, just sit. Just sit for a couple minutes and marinate and meditate on the sermon. Meditate on God's Word, James 1, 19 through 25. Think about that. Let it work on you. And then small group leaders, before you jump into the question, just go around and ask, what is the Spirit prompting you to do? What is your response to hearing the preaching of God's Word? What is your response to this passage? Because, again, every time we encounter God's Word, He's teaching us something. There's not passages where it's like, ah, you know what, I'll wait for the next one. There's something in every passage that we read, every time we pick up God's Word. Look, I don't care if you don't get to the questions, because this, this is more applicable. If we all understand what God is calling us to do, if we just stop and not rush to the questions that you've already premeditated answers and all of that stuff, and I get it, just, 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 just slow down and go around and find out how are you going to apply this message? What are you going to do with it? That's the first part. Here's the second part. Get accountability. Get accountability from somebody in your group. Because it's one thing to say, here's what I'm going to do, and then nobody calls you, nobody follows up with you, nobody asks you, did you do it? Because we all know how that goes. You leave out of here all fired up, this is what I'm going to do, and then you run into your first wall, and I'll do that next week. Meditate on it. That's, that's, there's my exhortation. There's my, you want to apply the message? Do that. Right? Let's do that. Sit and meditate and see how that works out. See how God works in your life this week. When you think about what he's commanding you to do, before you go off to the races, think about what he's commanding you to do and then get accountability. Get somebody within your group that you can say, hey, brother, will you follow up with me this week to make sure that 
I'm applying this. Small group leaders, look around and see who's here. Don't let anybody run out. I want to hear, I got I to go on this one. No, call them in there. That's our natural tendency. We can laugh, but I guarantee you there were a few people saying, man, I got to probably get home to the wife. Uh, you're okay. Your wife would be pleased with this, I promise you. And I say that because, again, man, I want us to get in the habit of allowing God's word to work on us and for us to be changed by it because we will be blessed in our doing when that happens. Memorizing God's word, that's a good thing. Right? You will be blessed in your doing. Oh, I'm not good at, at, at memory. Yeah, you are. As you memorize songs from the 80s and 90s and all that stuff when it was important to you. You can memorize God's word. And that's a good thing. You will be blessed in your doing. I want to read this, this uh, quote from Thomas Watson, a Puritan preacher. He said this, Take every word as spoken to yourselves. He's talking about God's word, of course. Take every word as spoken to yourselves. When the word thunders against sin, think thus. God means my sins. When it pressed against any duty, think God is calling me to do this. Many put off scripture from themselves as if it only concerned those who lived in the time when it was written. But if you attend to profit by the word of God, bring it home to yourselves. A medicine will do no good unless it's applied. That's just a great word. Anytime you read God's word, it's, it's talking to you. It wants to work on you. Obedience to God's word means one thing, doing it, doing it. When you do God's word, that's how you can show that you're being obedient to it, not talking about it, but doing it. And that's how we live life. Again, every aspect of our life, you think about parents, we expect our kids to obey. We expect our kids to obey all that we tell them to do. Right, we might have to remind them over and over, but we expect them to obey it, not say, I don't want to do that. I'll do what I want. No, when you're at work, you're expected to do a job. You're expected to, to perform your responsibilities. Right, when you drive around, you're expected to apply, abide to all the street laws. You can't get pulled over by a cop and say, well, you know what? I, I, didn't, I didn't like that, that, that speed limit. I want to do my own thing. It, it doesn't work that way. And I know some of you might be saying right now, well, with parents, you get plenty of warnings, right? With, with your job, you get an annual review. You get one-on-ones with your boss, so you know the expectations. With, uh, with, with street signs, they're all over, so it's pretty clear on what you need to do. Well, this is how God would respond. He would say, look, I've given you pastors and accountability partners that, me, that, 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 that shepherd you over and over. They tell you this, the, how to follow God's word over and over and over again. Oh, one-on-one meetings? Every time you open up my word is a one-on-one meeting with me. You get a one-on-one meeting with me to, to, to know exactly what I'm commanding you to do. Every time you sit up under a pastor or a preacher, you get one-on-one with me through the Spirit convicting you and telling you what I want you to do. What about those street signs everywhere? Those are called coincidences, right? The, the, the world will call those coincidences. I keep putting things in front of you. I keep putting roadblocks in front of you, but you try to find a way out of it. I'm giving you opportunities to see what I'm commanding you to do over and over and over in your life. 
Obeying God's word is doing it, not speeding past it, not talking around it, but doing it. Look, as the men of the church, guys, I want us to get this. If we are the ones on the forefront of being obedient to God's word, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes everything for our church. It changes everything for our, 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 our culture, our local body, our local surrounding culture. It changes everything for the next generation because they see the example. It changes everything. But it starts with you. Individually, you. You saying, from this moment on, I'm going to make it a point to obey God's commands. Yep, it's going to be hard. Yep, I'm going to feel like I can't do it. Yep, it's going to feel like an inconvenience in my life. But it's not about your life. It's about God's will for your life. But if we do this, it changes everything. Because remember, at the end of this life, God's not going to say, how much do you know? How was Compass Bible Church? How was your experience there? He's going to say, yep, you had all that. You had Logos, you had five Bibles in your house, but what did you do with it? To whom much, give, whom much is given, much is expected. All right? We got a lot, guys. We got Bibles everywhere. We got faithful Bible teaching in, in all of our pulpits. But it's not about just hanging our hat on, it's cool to be here. What are you going to do with it? I pray from this moment on, as we look at being obedient to God's word, that there will be a massive shift, not amongst some of us, but every single one of us in this room. And there's something that God's putting in front of you right now that you're probably thinking about that you need to go do. And my exhortation to you, according to God's word, is do it. Do it and be obedient to God's word. Let's pray. God, thank you for this text. Lord, it's not an easy one. It's certainly not easy to be obedient to all that you command because our world doesn't make it easy. Our flesh doesn't make it easy because it always goes against the grain of what we want to do, how we want to live our life. But, Lord, if we call ourselves a follower of you, that means that we obey your commands, not some of them, but all of your commands. We obey the things that you are placing in front of us through reading your word, through hearing preaching, through the Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like Christ. Lord, I just pray that all of us would take this seriously. And we wouldn't check out during this message or check out during small group, but we would really meditate on your word and allow tonight to be the start of something great happening. A great consistent flow of obedience, knowing that if the men of the church gets this right, then, Lord, your gospel and your kingdom will be advanced far beyond the reach in the walls of Compass Bible Church because of the sphere of influence that you've given us all. Lord, this is challenging, but help us to be all up for the task and help us to hold each other accountable with that starting tonight. May you be pleased with this, Lord, and I know that if we obey your words and you say we will be blessed, Lord, I pray that many men are blessed because they are seeking to obey your word in every time that they encounter it. In Jesus' name, amen.